we find our place today in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, uh, as we look briefly at this topic of fulfilling the law. Uh, and as we, we get to this, uh, this topic today, as Jesus uh, approaches it in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, realize that throughout the Old Testament, uh, there are laws. I think we all know that. We understand that. And these laws uh, were given by God in order to help His people and people in general to love Him with all of their hearts and minds. And uh, the religious leaders of the day, uh, unfortunately, had misquoted and misapplied these laws. Uh, they were reduced down to just a pile of rules that oftentimes could be quite confusing and contradictory in the way that they were interpreted and yet misapplied. Uh, Jesus came with a new approach, though. He came with a new approach to God's law and, and clearly spoke against the abuses in power and the excesses that were going on uh, in which the hypocritical religious leaders had subjected the law to and in that environment. So Jesus points his, his followers and the believers uh, to a higher standard of living, uh, to a higher standard of living than just the religiosity, to just the uh, religious ceremonialism uh, that had entrenched that society. And even if we're honest, uh, speaks to us today, even the traditions and things uh, along those lines. Now, as a result of this ceremonialism and everything, uh, they'd lost the high view of human life that God's law had emphasized. God's law and, and God's work and God's uh, heart is on mankind. He cares about the person individually. Uh, you know, he cares about brotherly love, but you know, brotherly love had degenerated to a level of suspicion and distrust. Uh, their, you know, love for their enemies was unspeakable. You know, all of this led to an inevitable devaluation of others. You know, the way that the, the culture in Jesus' day viewed each other isn't much different than, unfortunately, different people groups view each other today. You know, uh, political party, religious affiliation, ethnicity, social class, uh, educational standing, uh, whatever it may be, that same thing that was going on there, Jesus spoke against there, he again speaks against it here. You know, uh, th there was this basic attitude of selfishness. You know, there was a sense of pride and it had seized the people. Yet again, does that sound familiar uh, to anything that we're familiar with today? Now, in the clearest terms, Jesus laid out uh, the way his followers were to approach the lost, sinful world that they found themselves in. Uh, this uh, way would demonstrate a love that would be redemptive. It would be characterized uh, by a spiritual quality that would draw people to Christ. Uh, he taught them that it's possible to love sinners without condoning their sin. I think that's a truth that all of us can uh, latch onto today that it is possible to love sinners, it is possible to love people we disagree with without condoning their sin. Uh, that's a very true aspect, but it, it, at the same time, there's still a line uh, that we should walk and that we shouldn't cross. Yeah, as as we, we kind of jump in today, I do want to read uh, Matthew 17, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. We'll read uh, kind of several verses here. Uh, the Bible says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Whosoever 
therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into uh, the kingdom of heaven. And really, uh, it, it continues. He, uh, he continues. We'll, we'll continue reading. Uh, in verse 21, you have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger uh, of hellfire. I would also, now near the end of the chapter, four, verse 43, if, you, if you're turning there with me, uh, he says in verse 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, uh, that ye may be uh, the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Uh, you know, looking here, greatness in the kingdom uh, of God. Uh, you know, uh, the, the law and the prophets uh, was a title uh, given to written scripture. Uh, you know, that, that's the way they would look at, uh, obviously, the majority of the Old Testament. And that's what was popular during Jesus' day. You know, because everything Jesus taught during his ministry was based on these scriptures, now we know that he referenced the Psalms and such like that, uh, we can neither uh, understand nor accept the New Testament apart from the Old. Jesus referenced it. Jesus taught it. And though we may not always understand it, uh, and, and its correlation and connection to today, we cannot dissociate the Old Testament away from the New Testament. They do form one complete, whole connected thought uh, from God. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, presented the Word of God as the only standard of truth and righteousness. Uh, he, he told his listeners, uh, in really no uncertain terms, not to assume that he'd come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them to bring out the full meaning of Scripture, showing that he was the fulfillment of what had been prophesied. And really, Jesus would bring the entire Old Testament promises uh, to their completion. Uh, but because of the, the day that, and time that he was living in, uh, and the, uh, the pride of the Pharisees and political parties and all that was involved there, they looked at their influences shrinking because of this, quote, new way uh, of thinking. You know, Jesus pretty much used the the the, ver, the, the phrase, I assure you. Look at verse 18. Uh, Jesus would say, uh, you know, for verily I say unto you. We can, in our terminology today, we can I assure you. He, he says that signaling the fact uh, that he was about to say something of significance, something uh, of importance. Uh, here he is ascribing the highest authority to God's law. Not only did, did Jesus fulfill the law, but until the end of the age, nothing in God's law would change. You know, emphasizing the authority of God's law. God's law is eternally valid, and it will stand until the total plan of God is accomplished. 
then to further strengthen the eternal significance of the law, Jesus said, not the smallest letter or the slightest stroke of, of a pen, the jot or the tittle, would disappear from the written law of God until its purpose was completed. You know, looking at that, you know, as he would continue in verses 19 and 20, after Jesus told his disciples that he'd fulfill and accomplish the entire law and prophets, he stressed that his followers were also to keep and practice the commandments. Jesus underscored the responsibility that, that those who teach these commandments must bear. Uh, you know, if they don't practice what they teach, they'd be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whereas those who faithfully practice what they teach would be recognized as great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, keeping the commandments perfectly was no issue for Jesus. Because he was the, son, the sinless son of God. He knew his followers would never reach his level of perfection in this life. Instead, Jesus' emphasis in verse 20 was on the attitude of the heart, not on the self-righteous outer human displays that we often put on there. You know, uh, the Pharisees uh, were satisfied if their outward appearance matched the, the letter of the law and obeyed the commandments. You know, but they didn't humble themselves before God. True followers of Christ know that they can't make themselves righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. Instead, they must depend on God to work his righteousness within them. So, looking uh, at this, uh, th th that thought there of greatness in the kingdom, it's, it's not what our outward person always displays. It comes down to the heart. Now, Matthew 5, 21 uh, through 22, we would look at the, this, this thought of neighbors in the kingdom. You know, uh, the, there in, in verse 21 uh, and 22, uh, he brings up the, the thought of, uh, of uh, against, you know, uh, murder and things against our brothers uh, in humanity. Uh, in this context, murder meant simply taking innocent life. Uh, various scripture references would uh, exclude capital punishment, justified warfare, killing by accident, and self-defense. So, uh, kind of looking at it uh, through this lens of that this is taking innocent life. The intentional killing of another human being for strictly personal reasons, whatever that personal reason may be, violates that commandment. The Pharisee, however, didn't view murder the way Jesus did and the way God intended it for me. The, the Pharisee saw murder only as the physical action of killing. So Jesus says in verse 22, pretty much, you know, but I tell you, but, but I say unto you, he wasn't nullifying God's commandment or adding his own beliefs. He was simply giving his disciples a more clear understanding of why God made this law to begin with. You know, Moses had, you know, written, Do not murder, you know, thou shalt not kill. Uh, the Pharisees took this command literally and felt righteous because they hadn't literally killed anybody. Now, although they were angry enough with Jesus to plot his death, they wouldn't perform the physical action of crucifying him. Uh, Jesus was implying that if a person became angry enough to want to kill someone, he or she would have already committed murder in their heart. What a powerful, convicting thought. Angry so much at somebody to wish them dead, in your heart you've already killed them. You've already murdered them. Now, murder obviously is a terrible sin. 
but you know, anger is also high on the list of, of grievous sins because it violates God's command to love. Anger allowed to remain in one's heart is a dangerous emotion that you know is always poised and ready to leap out of control. It can lead to mental stress. It can lead to emotional pain. Uh, you know, at times spiritual distress and and even ultimately violence. You know, uh, th- th- those words in, in verse uh, twenty one uh, that 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 say uh, subject to judgment or or danger uh, of judgment. Uh, in regard to out-of-control anger, had to do with divine judgment, not to the judgment of a human court. In verse 22, Jesus warns that the unrighteous anger damages relationships, not only between people, but also between people and God. Uh, Jesus continues this pattern of uh, contrasting traditional understanding uh, uh, with the truth throughout the rest of chapter 5 to explain the inner issues of the heart. In most instances, he would throw it out there. You've heard that it's been said, or it's been said this way, uh, and followed by that, but I tell you, or I say unto you. Jesus left no room for doubt about the way people are to relate to one another within the kingdom of heaven. He went on to address forgiveness and lust, honesty, justice, grace, and humility. He uh, he, uh, made sure to address these things again, emphasizing the heart of the matter, not simply the outward appearance, what's going on outside, not physically killing that person, but you know, internally the anger killing that person, not physically uh, involved in adultery, uh, but uh, the, the lust that consumes the inside. Now, uh, he kind of wraps up uh, this part of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in verse, uh, of, of, of chapter 5 in verses 43 through 48. Uh, and kind of taught this idea of enemies of the kingdom. So we saw what, what greatness is in the kingdom. You know, uh, we saw our neighbors in the kingdom, and now finally na- the enemies of the kingdom. Uh, you know, the most famous verse, John three sixteen, reminds us that God's love is so great and inclusive, it reaches out to all people, regardless of their sin, regardless of their standing, and regardless of their rebellion against God. As children of God, we're to reflect the kind of love that He manifests in the world. You know, we're also reminded of this idea in the Old Testament. You know, uh, don't take revenge. Don't hold grudges. Uh, You know, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. You find that in in Leviticus 19. The Pharisees took this verse to mean that only those uh, who returned the love they gave were worthy of love. And they also misconstrued the term neighbor. Uh, to them, it meant only people of the same nationality and the same faith. Uh, although no verse in the Bible explicitly says we're to hate our neighbors, the Pharisees could and did at times reinterpret certain passages to justify doing that. Now, in contrast, Jesus excluded hating anyone. Jesus stated that the true intent of God's law was to challenge his people to love their enemies as well as their neighbors. And this was difficult for those who, like the Pharisees, had a very narrow view of who their neighbor was. Luke recorded one occasion when a Pharisee would actually ask the question, Who then is my neighbor? Where then Jesus would, of course, go into the story of the Good Samaritan. To the Pharisees, Jesus might as well have told them that their neighbors were those in the leper colony. To Jews, Samaritans were the lowest of the low, 
Jesus gave the example in Luke chapter 10 to show that God's people are to love all people, not just their own. It was a radical idea in the culture of his day, and it still should be that way today. That no matter what someone looks like, acts like, worships like, that we should still have a love in our heart for them. In, in verse 45, uh, Jesus you know, reiterates uh, this thought that the Jews who thought God was their father uh, or brings up the idea uh, and kind of that the Jews thought uh, God was their father alone. Now, uh, in explaining that their father uh, allows the sun to rise for all and then allows the rain to fall on all, Jesus is saying that God the Father is caring and loving to all people. He's talking to Jewish people, but saying that this God, God the Father, is not simply your father. He wants to be everyone's father. He doesn't just care for you. He's caring and loving to everyone, even to those that rebel against him. And in the same way, we're to love all people. But remember, Jesus is teaching that it's possible to love them without condoning their sin. You know, if we don't love everyone, even enemies, Jesus said we're no different from people who don't know God. You know, this unconditional, holy love is a characteristic of the kingdom of heaven. You know, I want to end with, with, with this thought. God's word governs the hearts of his people. As followers of Christ, we're called to live to a higher standard. You know, I've, I've heard it said that grace requests far more than the law requires. You know, I heard another pastor say, uh, instead of, you know, treating others how we would want them to treat us, how about we treat others the way that God treated us? You know, not only are we called to love other believers in Jesus, but we're also called to love others, including our enemies. And when we do that, we're one step closer to fulfilling the law.